Do you want to start a podcast? I know I did, and you're listening to it thanks to the help of Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's totally free and has everything you need in a podcast in one place. You can record, edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and distribute it to listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Everything you need, all in one place, completely free. What's stopping you? Go get Anchor. Tragedy is an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. One man in sports dealt with so much tragedy and was able to come back stronger and in a better place than almost anyone could at a time when tragedy was sweeping the world so let's get into alex zanardi welcome to the sports moments podcast where every sports moment deserves its replay. I'm your host, Ethan Reese, a sports historian and a giant goofball, which best describes this bi-weekly sports history and goofball podcast. We're going to have fun and learn something and hopefully enjoy it at the same time. Now let's jump in to the sports moments time machine and go back to a moment. In sports. Alessandro Zanardi. Alex, for short, was born October 23rd, 1966, in Bologna, Italy, from Dino and Anna Zanardi. So he was born in 66 to Dino, a plumber, and his wife, Anna, a shirt maker, a seamstress. And together they had two children. And in about 1970, they decided to pack up, leave Bologna, and go to Castile Mazur, a city just on the outskirts of Bologna. So Bologna is a big city. They're moving on out to the suburbs. And this is really where he grew up and you know, still lives in the area. Now, as we mentioned in the intro, there is tragedy in this. He's about 13. His sister, Christina, Christina Zanari, was a strong swimmer, a potential Olympic hopeful for Italy. Tragically, her life was cut short in 1979 in a car wreck. Not to foreshadow anything, this family is very unlucky with car wrecks. And it's sad. This is tough. It was tough on the family. How would it not be? They were a close family, and they supported each other. They supported her dream of swimming. She, she At the age of 15 is when she passed, and she was on her way to do great things until tragedy struck. And Zanardi says about this, he was the crazy one. Christina was the, the even-keeled one. You, when you have kids, you have a crazy one, you have an even-keeled one. You don't have all crazy and all simple. It goes all over the place. So after Christina passed, his parents became very protective. Of course they did. 
you lo- you have two kids, you lose one. You're going to hold on to the other one as much as possible. And they dreaded the day that Alice, Alex would become 14. He was 13 at the time. 14 was coming up. And at 14 in Italy, you can get a motorcycle license and begin to drive a motorcycle. And that scared them. Of course it did. They're going to be very protective. Anything that happens in life, you're going to be more protective. If it doesn't happen to you, you're not as protective as if it has happened to you. You've been the experience. So they're very worried for him. So they are trying to find other options. And Alex becomes interested in cart go-karts. Or do you know actually walked into a motorcycle shop with his old friend just to kind of talk about this. And they've known each other for a long time. And his friend had really helped his boy get into go-karts. And it was a, a great way for his son to enjoy. And he said his son loved it. Hold on. Caveat, caveat, cap. What kid does not enjoy go-karts? Every kid loves go-karts. It's your only time you can drive. It's the only time you can do anything at that speed. It is amazing. No kid is like, uh, I don't want to go go-karting. That sounds boring. No, no. Never happens. Never, ever have you ever heard a kid. You will never hear a kid say that. So, of course, Alex is going to love this. And his friend, even though Dino is worried, his friend puts him at ease a little bit. And he says, better your son burn his desire for speed on the closed circuit than out on the streets on a motorcycle. And his father fell in love with that idea. And he... Helped him build his first motorcycle, his first go-kart out of spare parts, spare pipes and things like that that he had from plumbing to create his first go-kart and get him in to start into this sport. And Alex loved it because he's a kid and the kids all love this. Now, to the extent you love it, yeah, Alex was on a different level. He loved it. The craft of racing. He loved that aspect. But every kid's going to love go-karting. Fact. Always. So Dino fell in love with the idea. To channel. Alex's. Possible love for speed. Into go-karts. He even paid $500 for him. To get go-kart going. And Alex even describes this as a religious experience. And he focused his life into it. It wasn't just him enjoying it. He was good. Alex describes it as being marvelous. That first lap, seeing the asphalt go under me, feeling the tires grip around the turn, seeing the curbs on the grass on the side of the circuit going by, The go-karts going by Zoom. It was by far the best day of my life. I'm already dreaming. I was already dreaming. 
and thought, this is it. And that was 1980. Over the next seasons of his go-karting career, he grew in popularity and he caught the eye of many people, including an unlikely source. Sigiri Moto was a video game creator. And this is very early in video games. And he happened to be in Italy and he enjoyed go-kart racing. So he goes to a go-kart race and he, you know, inadvertently meets up with Dino and the Sinarni family. And he just loves Dino. They get along great. And watching his son and Alex had the signature move when he did, when he made a turn where he kind of jumped a little bit and allowed the the cart to turn quicker. And this was a very popular and really caught the eye of Sigiri Moto and made it something he could not forget. And he took this, this idea, meeting this family and being at this race to create an empire, something that had never been seen before. Mario is an Italian plumber. Sound familiar? Dino was an Italian plumber. And what is one of the most popular franchises in Mario? Mario Kart. Boom. Sugiri Moto, influenced by Sonardi family. That's completely. I don't know where the inspiration for all that Mario came from, but some weird similarities, right? Right? <laughs> but he did catch the eye of many racing, like automobile racing, not go-kart racing. Automobile racers caught the eye of him just being race savvy and wanted him as he grew up and got into cars. He was very sought after. Max Pippis, a driver in the kart series, remembered that he had a hunger in his eyes when he was racing. You could see that when he was racing the goat karts. And then in 1988, Zanardi joined the Italian Formula 3 series the formula three series is kind of the minor leagues for the formula one you probably heard of formula one so they formula three was basically the minor leagues you get started in that if you want to make it to the big time and that was zanarni's goal so in 1988 zanarni joins formula three and with his best finish that year as fifth not too bad for your rookie season understand it is a very hard thing to race you're going up against veterans that have been doing this a long time the next year he does even better he takes two pole positions and three podiums that year despite his team switching that year from their previous fuel to unleaded which was giving his car less power and this year was also another big year it's the year he met Daniela, his future bride-to-be wife always sticking by his side. And she was actually the manager for his Formula 3 team. She brought the calmness to Zanarni's wildfire. In 1991, he moved on up to Formula 3000 series. With the Bonnier Rupert team, who were also newcomers to the series, they joined up and ended up finishing second 
in the championship that year. So they're on a roll. They're going great. And this is a year where he starts to get noticed by Formula One. He has a couple teams calling him, asking him if he wants to test drive for Formula One, meaning test the car for the driver on the track, make sure the car is good and it's ready to go so the driver doesn't have to be there, sometimes cannot be there due to other races or other contractual obligations. So he has the opportunity, and one of the biggest names he has, he actually has the opportunity to test drive for. Micah Schumacher, one of the greatest Formula One racers of all time. In 1993, he test drived for Benton, still in Formula One, test driving for them. But he was offered a contract from Lotus to actually be a driver. And even though he, he was with a strong foundational team and Lotus was a new team, it was hard to pass up the option to be an actual driver over a test driver. Very hard to pass up that offer. In hindsight, it would have been better to stay with Bitten and moved up in their system rather than go with a new team that may have not known all the ins and outs of Formula One. But he didn't have that option. So he goes on to Lotus, signs a contract with them. But like I said, they struggled. They were a new team. They still were developing things. We, You hear the name Lotus in cars. You know a Lotus. It's you know those cool little sports cars. But to go from not having a Formula One car to having it is a lot of steps, a lot of money. And it can be very difficult to figure out the kinks as you go. And he was he was crucial in their team even having some success because he would help adjust their their cars as they went and was very involved in it. And you know he loved that aspect too. But looking back, would have been better to take over at Bitten where they had a driver that was going to retire the next year and he could have just driven full time with them. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty for sure. Unfortunately, this year. Not even having to do with the car, he was injured while riding his bicycle by a little old lady driving a car. Oh my goodness. Oh, she probably couldn't even see over the steering wheel. She probably didn't have her glasses. Probably not even driving over 20 miles an hour, but still, bike versus car, you're going to lose every time. He gets injured in this, and the little old lady runs over his foot breaking it in several places and he worked he worked his way he he was able to get back in the car you know luckily it wasn't his driving foot it was his left foot but you still can it's still difficult you still you know have pain in that foot and unfortunately he suffered a wreck while testing or while practicing at the belgian grand prix and he suffered a concussion which then he was like, okay, I'm just going to sit out the rest of the year. In 1994, bad news again. Adino, the plumber, he passes away, unfortunately. You know, always tough. Passes away, you know, just as his son's starting to ascend into racing and, you know, getting better, get going to meet his dream. He's going to miss a lot of it, but, you know, he got to at least see him race at a high level. So. So he works his way back. He doesn't start the season still recovering from the concussion and the broken legs and everything. But he j- comes back into the Spanish Grand Prix and, you know, nothing, nothing really happens this year for them. 
you know, this is the last year Lotus runs in F1. They just, they struggled the whole time. They couldn't put it all together. They never qualified higher than 13th. They didn't even score a single point this year. And they just continued to struggle every year they were in it and just lose money. You know, it was just, it didn't work for them. So he's out, he's out of a job. He's done with Formula One, unfortunately. Didn't have the best season, didn't have the best time there. He made it to the, his dream, but didn't have success. So what's he do? You know, let's see what other options there are. There's racing all over the world. And in 1995, Zanardi went to the United States, the kart series. And he thought it was going to be an easy transition. The cars look very similar. They are different. But to the average person, they're going to look very similar. And he joins Chip Ganassi Racing, which is a big name in kart racing. <laughs> and what's funny is the main engineer at Chip Ganassi, Mo Nunn, he did not like Zanardi. Actually, he just didn't like Italians. He's like, hey, yo, those Italians, they're no good, man. They're, they're pansies. They're prone to mistakes. And they're just too nice. You can't have it- Italian drivers. Did you know Zanardi would go on to be one of their best drivers? He rapidly became one of the most popular drivers in the series. He took the pole in his second race and ended up winning his first race during the season. Overall, he won three races that year in his rookie season, took six poles, and finished third in the championship behind Jimmy Vassar and Michael Andretti. So he was up there, top three, his rookie year. He won rookie of the year in the kart series that year. He was on top. He was ascending. He came in with a huge splat in 1996. Let's hear those wedding bells. Daniela is still in the picture. And she is now Mrs. Zanarni. They get married this year. And he continues to drive for kart. And there's this year is one of his biggest moves in racing. It's called the pass. If you Google kart racing or Zanardi the pass, whatever you will, you will find this move. It's a dangerous move that is actually banned now because it's a dangerous move. What he did was he overtook somebody doing a corkscrew turn. What a corkscrew turn is, is like an S turn on like a regular road, but it's on the track. And he, instead of taking the turn S, he basically just goes to one side of the driver and just drives in a straight line and cuts him off. It's a ballsy thing. He ends up like driving in the grass to do this. It is crazy. He overtakes him. It's the last lap and he wins this race down at the Mazda Raceway. (laughs) The final race of the season. Highly risky, but really enjoyable to watch. Just, you know, he he was that guy. He wasn't the timid guy that Mo Nunn thought. No, 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 no. He wasn't that. He was balls to the wall. He was going for it. He was a guy that would definitely go for it, especially on the last lap with the chance to win. Last last race of the year. Can't hold anything back. In 1997, he improved in the kart series, winning five of the 17 races. That's dominant. It's almost a third of the races he just won. You put money down on Zanardi on a race, you're probably going to come out good. He included three wins in a row in route to winning the driver championship. That year. He won the championship. And then he goes on. He's like, what do you do after this? Let's have a kid. Niccolo. Niccolo Zanardi is born September 
1998. Things are going good for the Zanarnis right now. They're going good. High, traveling high. He was even more dominant the next year, winning seven out of 19 races. Almost half the races Zanardi was winning. He saw 15 podiums out of the 19 races, won four in a row from June and July, and route to his second consecutive kart driver series. He was dominant in the kart series. After winning this race, Zanardi was fond of spinning his car in tight circles, leaving circle donut-shaped patterns and tight rubbers on the track. And this would eventually become popular celebration and wins across all America. You've seen, how many drivers have you seen in NASCAR, any race, do donuts after a win? Zanardi made it popular. You had no idea really where it came from. He's not the first guy to ever do it, but he did it after every race. And what are you going to do after a race? You're probably going to do donuts. Why not? I would. He signed the contact in July. It was made official in September of that year. And he began testing along Juan Pablo Montoya. You may have heard of him. <laughs> a very big name in the racing community. And Zanardi received offers also from Bar and Honda. And so he was just a hot commodity on this time. Everyone wanted Zanardi. Zanardi, Zanardi, Zanardi. And Zanardi tried. He just couldn't. He had so many car issues, electrical issues, you know, suspension issues, had issues were speeding in the pit lanes, just so many issues this season in the Formula One series. And he just never really finished more than seventh that year. And he struggled. And after that year, they just were like, you know, let's not let's stop. You know, he was on top of the world in cart back to, back up to Formula One and struggles again. He, he's not. It's not that he is a terrible Formula One driver. It's just he's not finding the right connections for the team and himself. And so it's very difficult to find those connections. So it's just sometimes the team and the driver don't fit. It happens. So they decided to go their separate ways. And, you know, still, Zanardi walked away with $4 million that year. Hey, if you want to throw me $4 million for firing me, by all means, fire me away. I will tell you that for sure. You want you want me to leave? You're giving me four million dollars to leave? Okay, I don't care what it is. I'll leave for four million dollars. No problemo. In 1999, Zanardi had so much success in the kart series that Acura released their signature Zanardi car, the NXX Zanardi edition. Probably seen this car. It's a cheaper kind of sports car. Looks kind of like. It's very light bodied, but you can do a lot with it, and you can you can have a lot of customizations with it, which made it really popular for street racers. In 2000, though, he he didn't have a job at that point, and you know he was somewhat interested in going back into the kart series, and even tested for Mo Nunn, that guy that hates Italians for some reason, <laughs> and tested for him. Drove 246 laps. That sounds like the worst test ever. You know I'm good. I won back-to-back championships not that long ago. Why am I testing for you? But luckily, even after they did that, they gave him a contract the next year. So the next year, this is the moment. September of 2001. What's the one thing you think of when you hear that? You think of 9-11. The terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center. Four days after that, there was a race scheduled in 
blistering Germany. They thought about canceling the race. It would have made sense. So many sporting events were canceled all over the world. But they decided to run the race. Try to get some sense of normalcy back. Unbeknownst to Zanarni, he would lose something that day. The race was coming close to an end. Zanarni was battling with Compartier all day. He was winning the race. And he was trying to keep his lead on Compartier as much as possible. He came through turn one a little bit too fast and got caught up in the grass that had been wet from rain that day. Caused him to spin around and end up on the track completely stopped facing perpendicular to the way he wanted to go, the way everyone in the race was going. Compartier barely made it past him by an inch, inches, barely missed him. He saw it. But right behind him was Taglagani. He didn't see it fast enough to react. And he hit the nose of Zanarni's car. Completely severing the nose from the rest of the car. At the same time, severing Zanarni's legs. The crowd was absolutely silent. The collision had thrown pieces of the cars, both of them, over 200 yards, tires, wheels, rods, screws. The force of the crash didn't only cut off his legs. It was so violent and so quick that it essentially blew his leg off, similar to a soldier stepping on landmines. Zanarni was in shock. He, he had already lost so much blood by the time the paramedics had gotten there. The paramedic that first arrived was just like, oh no, oh no, oh no, when he first saw. He figured he had maybe two minutes to save his life with the amount of blood he was losing so fast. And they had already lost 30 to 45 seconds just getting over to the wreck. He was rushing so fast, he didn't even see the oil on the track, and he fell himself into a pool of the blood that had come from Zanarni. And he said it was like buckets of blood on the track. They did what they could do a tourniquet, put tons of gauze, as much gauze as they could put, to stop the bleeding as much as possible. One of the other technicians that finally arrived asked him, is there any chance we can save anything? He said, no. The body parts are all over the... They exploded. It wasn't a clean break. They took him straight to the helicopter. Zanarni had lost 75% of his blood. When he got there, he only had a liter of blood left in his body. His blood pressure was dropping. And they decided to take him to Berlin that had a larger trauma center, which was 35 minutes away, rather than one in Dusseld that was 15 minutes away, which could have killed him and technically did. Zanarni flatlined seven times, had been read his last rites, but never gave up. Somehow, uh, unbelievably surprised to the doctors, the paramedics, every medical professional. Zanarni lived. They had to cut off extra parts of his legs, but he lived. Zanarni woke up next to his wife, who was there by his side the whole time. 
And she said, I love you so much. I'm going to stay close to you no matter what. You've had a bad accident. And you've been in a coma for days. Everything's okay. But in the accident, you lost both your legs. But I've been reading a lot. And someday you'll walk again and do a lot of the things you love to do. The Narni quietly listened and said, I love you. The important thing is I'm alive. Don't worry, we'll find our way through this. Let me get back to sleep. I'm tired. You gotta love this guy. To come back from that, to wake up and literally just been told, you don't have legs anymore, you can't walk right now, who knows if you will be able to, maybe you can, and just go, hey, I love you. We'll be fine. I'm gonna go get. Some, I'm gonna go take a nap. I can only imagine Daniela's face. Like, did you did you hear me? Like, or did you just hear that you were in a coma or something? So like, Zanarni was not gonna just take this. He he was fitted to for two pro, prosthetic limbs and began rehab as soon as possible. Dissatisfied with the prosthetics he got. He built his own ones, designed and built them to allow him to race. He built racing prosthetics. He's like, I'm not going to just give up. I'm going to go do this. This is my life, my passion. I'm not giving up. And on October 31st, Halloween, he was finally released from the hospital. And within two weeks of being released, he was driving a BMW that had been fitted with hand tools. <laughs> and one of his friends called him up that day. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, about 240 kilometers an hour. <laughs> the guy was like, what? You're driving already? I thought you'd be home and I could come visit. What are you doing? You're crazy and you're already going 240 kilometers, which is 150 miles an hour. Fast. <laughs> you're like, how do you not have like just... A little bit just like, I don't want to go fast right now. Timidness. No, you just go, boom. That's who he was. Always going fast. He's like, he's like Ricky Bobby. I'm going to go fast. I'm going to go fast. He's the Italian version. He's like, I like go fast. I go fast. <laughs> yeah. Zanardi is amazing. Never gives up. Has a passion for going fast. That's for sure. So in 2002, Cart honored Zanarni by allowing him to wave the checker flag at the Toronto Speedway for the race there. And in 2003, he was back on the track. With the aid of a hand-operated brake and accelerator controls the, at the German 500, Zanarni began his ceremonial drive and drove 13 laps. He never finished at that track that day. His fastest lap was 37 seconds, which would have qualified for fifth at the actual race. He wasn't holding back. He could still do this. After the runs, and already said, I didn't feel like I was out of the car for one and a half years. It felt natural. And with the help of BMW, he ran the final race of the World Touring Car Championship, finishing in at Italy and he finished seventh. He was beating people. He didn't even have legs. 
In 2004, Zanardi returned full-time, driving with the BMW team in Italian and Spain in the FIA European Touring Car Championships. And he won five races and had five podiums while he was with this team. This year, he also released Alex Zanardi, My Story. In 2005, Zanardi wins his first race since the accident. Celebrating the only way he knew how, doing donuts. He also took the Italian championship at the Automobile Club in De Italia. In 2006, the BMW F1 team invited Zanardi to drive their Formula One car with the modifications that he would need. He was really, really happy. He told the media, even though I'm 40, I think I still have stuff I can do in the car. I can push myself harder than I ever have. He wasn't even talking about his legs. He's just talking about, even though I'm old, I can still do this. In 2007, he competes in his first hand cycling race. No more motor, just human motor. And doing races for the WTCC, he saw the the hand cycling portion of the New York Marathon in the next year, he entered it. He finished fourth and he'd only been training for four weeks. He was a natural on the hand bike and he competed in the 2008 Beijing Paralympics and he used this as a way to train for racing. It was a race to train for racing, get his body set to run races. In 2009, he retired from racing, take a full look put his full arsenal into hand cycling. He competed at the Paracycling Road War Championships to train for the 2012 Summer Olympics. In 2010, he won the Rome City Marathon with a time of 1 hour, 15 minutes, and 53 seconds. He's booking it. He is booking it. In 2012, he won the gold medal in the Men's Road Time Trial H4. A different categories in the Paralympics depending on what type of paralyzation you have they put you into different categories and he won gold he's on top of it won gold in 2013 he was introduced into the Motorsports Hall of Fame in 2013 a year later he won gold again in the hand cycling in the world championships in Canada has a drive and a passion that just is astounding even after what he had gone through he found another passion he still had a passion for racing and was still successful after his injury but he found a new passion that allowed him to compete in something different and go on for that in 2014 he announced he would return to racing in the bmw z4 gt3 team in the Balspan sprint series he also competed in the 2014 iron man world championship which is crazy to do an iron man like that he used a hand bike for the cycling and a wheelchair for the running portion he finished 19th out of 247 competitors that's impressive just never given up on what he wanted to do in 2015 in 2016 he also won gold again in hand cycling. This guy was never given up. 
He won gold in the time trials and the mixed team relay and took silver in the road race. Dude's racking up the medals. Dude is on fire. If you don't know, every year that the Olympics are held, regular Olympics are held, that same area, that same place, they hold the Paralympics after all, after that in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. It's very interesting, and it's great because you allow these guys to experience the same the same sports in the same arena where they should. They should. Honestly, I think they should go at the same time. I don't know why they don't. I really think they should because these guys deserve it. Every aspect, every eye watching them that they sh- should because it's impressive what they're doing to go through. Many of them go through stuff, terrible accidents, just like Zanarni, and come out the other side. So you got to just give it to these guys. And most of the time, no one hears about them. No one talks about them. That's terrible. In 2018, he competes another Ironman and smashes the disabled category record. Smashes it and comes in fifth overall gets everybody he comes in fifth dude props mad props for you man that's impressive 2019 he returns to racing again to run the 24 hours of daytona which is just a crazy thing to me it's not 24 hours of daytona you join a team you're not driving 24 hours in a row that would be insane but you have a team you kind of rotate and it's it's very interesting race to do and of course zanardi can't catch a break in 2020 to in 2020 let alone the pandemic's going on what's the one thing you can do you can do stuff outside right so he can still compete in the ironman and the all the hand cycling events well guess what he's doing one of these races while driving his hand bike he gets hit by a car are you kidding me he's rushed to the emergency room and he's airlifted to santa maria hospital in Sinia and he's treated for intensive care for serious head injury and he's shown sign of internal injuries as well and it's not till December that he is able to gain his sight and hearing again that's bad that's a bad injury if you have to go six months before you can see or hear that's bad and his hands continue to shake uncontrollably Luckily, in early 2001, he's able to speak again. And after a whole another year, 18 months after the accident, he's able to finally go home. This accident was arguably worse than his first accident. It took him much longer to recover and had to go through so much more mentally and physically than he did in his first accident. It's just such an unlucky thing that happened to him. In all instances, everyone loved him in the racing community. He was beloved in the car community when he was winning back-to-back championships. And the media loved him. He was hilarious. He was so honest and straightforward. Everyone loved talking to him. He, When you talk to him, he's just a non-stop talker. Loves to tell stories and continue to talk throughout the years. He just never gives up. And I think that's what we can take away from Zanardi. He never gives up. He's continuing to recover from that previous accident when he was hit by a car for a second time. For, don't forget he got hit by a car when he was just bicycling in the 90s. He is just a guy that never gives up. 
And so much so that he was on a podcast that I listened to giving an interview just last year. And he had just gained the ability to speak again. And he was talking like he had never lost that ability. And at no point was he sad about it. He takes it in stride and is just happy to be alive. I think that's what we need to take away from a story like this. Be happy you're alive. Enjoy your life and find your passion and don't give up on it because you have that passion. No one can take a passion away from you. They can take your legs away from you, but they can't take a passion away from you. No matter if it's sports your passion or if you want to love to run or you love to drive a car or you love to play soccer, you can figure out a way to do it. There are so many options away out there for everybody. Just find it, find your passion, go after it. That's what I take from this. Zanardi was a powerful, powerful story to me. A story that's forgotten because it happened so close to 9-11. Almost no one thinks about it or hears about it. Whole media, all the media was talking about 9-11. And understandably, it was a tragedy. I'm not trying to say Zanardi's tragedy was worse than that. He did not die. And it may have been because of that, that he was like that. Because that tragedy had just happened where people lost their lives. He was just happy to be alive at that point. And you got to give props to that. You got to love a guy that never gives up. I loved hearing about this story. And it gives me power. It gives me motivation to never give up the same to you. Never give up. Never surrender. Thank you for listening to the Sports Moments Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's tale. If you did, please give us a review or five stars or wherever you listen to. It helps us grow our community and help tell more engaging stories. You can follow us at Sports Moments Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We post pictures about stories, what happened today in history, different things like that. Just try to be a good sports overall social media company. We still are a new podcast. We're still growing, still working on a few kinks, still working on our website. So if you would like to contact us with a great topic or your view on any episode we've done, you can email us at sportsmomentspodcast at gmail.com. And as we grow, we're looking for great youth sports charities to donate to because I think it's important to give the youth a chance to learn about sports and bring that love so they can become sports historians as well so if you have a, a great charity that you are involved in or you think we should help out please contact us as well again thank you for listening and come back next week for another episode of the sports moments podcast where every sports moment deserves its replay